Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. encourage you to plug into community because community is a blessing. It's a treasure to be able um, to plug into community, especially at a time when the world is reemerging. We've we've begun a new series this morning called Forever Changed, and it's all about following Jesus in a reemerging world, following Jesus in a reemerging world. There's not one person here this morning or joining us online who would say that, would look out into the world as it is today after the year or so that we've been through and say, man, the world just hasn't changed one bit. It's still the same as it was last March or last February. We look around at the world outside and we see that it's a drastically different landscape that we're living in now than where we were living in a year or so ago. And so there's a lot of complexity in that. I think a lot of folks may walk around and think that, hey, we're, I'm just going to, after the pandemic is over, right, and we don't have to wear these masks, I'm just going to go back to what I was doing before. And this cry of like, when can we go back to normal? When the reality is, is that society as a whole has crossed a threshold, Do you feel that? There's like this sweeping thing that's come across our society and across the world, similar to a way where I described to my kids about what flying used to be like when we would go through airports, and they're astounded, they're amazed that there was a time, there was a time, yes, where you could walk your loved ones right to the plane. Do you remember that? Well, folks who were born after 2001 cannot remember a time like that. There was a threshold that the world crossed. And likewise, throughout the course of this pandemic, I've found really uh, just a sense of solace and the the Lord's peace and his presence and letting go of what I felt like was normal and uh, leaning into his invitation on the lessons he was calling me to carry forward in a post-pandemic world. The world's changed And looking at scriptures, we're going to look at scriptures throughout the course of the series and folks who came into contact with Jesus and how their lives changed. So juxtaposing a changing world and how people in scripture come into contact with Jesus and have their lives changed and transformed. So for us, questions that are going to be good to ask throughout the course of this series are, what does Jesus have for you, simply? What does Jesus have for you on the other side of a pandemic? You know, praying with open hands and letting go of what is lost and receiving something from God in its place. This series is all about invitation, leaving some things behind, There are some lessons that God has taught you and I over the course of this past year of the things that we need to let go of and leave behind. And there are other things that uh, the Lord is inviting us into, deeply hopeful lessons 
that he's taught us during this time that couldn't have come about without a pandemic, honestly, that he's inviting us to carry forward into the reemerging world. So leaving behind some things, carrying forward other things, this idea of God restoring what the locusts have eaten and receiving beauty in the place of ashes. So if we've lost people, some of us have lost people to COVID-19, loved ones. Some of us have been around death, have been around suffering and sickness for the better part of a year as part of their jobs as a nurse or a doctor perhaps, and seeing suffering at an up-close and personal level. Some of you may have lost a family member. So how do we, how do we receive Jesus' comfort in that? Maybe it's mourning the loss of events. Maybe you're an event person. You like showing up to concerts. You like going to big church services, maybe. You like going to graduation ceremonies. All of these things that we enjoyed before the pandemic. So how do we receive new ways of celebrating each other and the community which we live in, the beautiful world that God has created? Maybe it's a lost feeling of safety or security. You know, I believe that once the mask mandate lifts, right, there are some personality types who in, um, who in fear will wear their masks long after the pandemic ends. Why? Because there's been this loss of safety and security somewhere in their souls. If there's a feeling of, Uh, loss of safety and security, how can we receive Jesus as our strong tower, as our firm foundation, as we sang this morning? Maybe it's a, a lost job. Many folks have lost their jobs. Many folks have lost income. How can we receive faith that he is our provision and that he will sustain us? How can we look at these areas of, uh, and acknowledge these areas of trauma and pain? And also, how can we look at and, and receive healing in those places? And how can we look at these deeply hopeful lessons, these quiet moments that God has given us throughout the course of the past year to teach us these lessons that we're to carry forward in a post-pandemic world, in a, in a re-emerging world? And a dear friend of mine spoke this simple truth at the beginning of the pandemic that I've carried with me throughout the course of the entire last year. And I wanted to give that to you all this morning. And just that none of this was a surprise to Jesus. None of this caught God by surprise. He wasn't like, oh my gosh, where is this coming from? I'm not really prepared for this. Yeah, the simple reality that has been fuel for my soul over the past year, which my friend encouraged me with, is that Jesus is still on the throne. You know, he's still the resurrected Jesus that we celebrated a couple of weeks back in Easter. He's still on the throne. None of this has caught him by surprise. And there's an invitation on the table to be forever changed, to be forever changed. And so we're going to be looking at the life of this woman at a well. And we're not given her name. But she came into contact with Jesus and, it cha- and he changed her life. 
And so we're going to be in John 4, if you have your Bible and you wanted to turn or swipe there with me. We're going to be looking at the story of the woman at the well. And I thought we'd take a a more creative look at it this morning. And we're going to check out this clip from the series, The Chosen. How many of you guys have seen The Chosen? And usually, you guys know me well. I'm not one to follow trends. I see myself as a trendsetter as opposed to a trend follower um, in most cases. In my Enneagram 4-ness, I'm (laughs) the unique flower on the wall, yes? Um, But this, you guys, this series, I just experienced the presence of Jesus in like really tangible ways. Um, to see the gospel narrative played out on the screen has just been really impactful and significant to me. So instead of just simply reading the text and following along, we're going we're gonna to pick and choose verses throughout the, uh, the course of this talk with the time that we have left. But this is a longer clip, so settle in. It's about eight minutes long, and this is the, the story of the woman at the well. Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat. You have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? 
long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water? Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. <sighs> exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank Him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <sighs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am He. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. You, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me.
You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know. But not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. Scouting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon. Just the heart. <laughs> you promise. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> You forgot your arm. Foxy, you man, you told me everything I ever did! <laughs> so good, right? You know, we're never really quite ready for how disarming Jesus is. <laughs> Whether we see it on a screen or in a theatrical presentation uh, where we see it in our own lives. And how this woman's life is completely transformed by coming into contact with Jesus. And if we're to follow Jesus into this reemerging world. As, as this chapter from the past year seems to be closing, seems to be a new chapter opening up, we're going to need to hear what the woman at the well heard from the lips of Jesus for ourselves. Because if we're going to learn how to follow Jesus, we're going to need to know how, we're going to need to. Um, experience God in worship. The woman at the well came to draw water from this well in the middle of the day because she was an outcast. She felt rejected by other women, by the town, um, by Jews. And so she came at midday in the heat when other women did not come to draw water. She came because she felt rejected and she left completely changed. She left a worshiper. She got her mail read there at the, at the well. And Jesus just has this way about him. Jesus has this way about him where he shows this woman his humanity. He's God in the flesh. He has come down to show us that God is like us. 
He suffers with us. He's with us in the middle of pain and suffering and joy and celebration and his sense of humor. He's so disarming. We see the character of Jesus revealed in the story of the woman at the well in just such a powerful and significant way. We see it right off the bat in the pages of Scripture as Jesus approaches this well that his ancestors dug. I know Jacob, he says. We see him approach and he's tired, he's thirsty. We see his humanity in that, that even the Son of God needs a drink. He's tired, he's worn out. We see the character of Jesus revealed in his compassion that to this woman at the well, he's not a cleric, he's not a religious teacher, but he's a friend. And he's someone who knows her like no other person knows her. We see the character of Jesus revealed in his, his humanity that he's thirsty and he's tired. He's compassionate. He's a friend and not a cleric. But he's also a breaker of barriers. The woman at the well is a Samaritan and she catches on right off the bat that Jesus is not supposed to be talking to her. Jesus is not supposed to be talking to her. Jesus is Jewish. He's not a Samaritan. What we've stepped into is like an ancient, more bloody version of the Hatfields and the McCoys. This feud between Jews and Samaritans is over 400 years old. And Jesus steps right in the middle of that. And he says, I'm here to break those barriers. In this reemerging world, God the Father is looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and truth. God is looking for worshipers who will break down barriers and divisions in our society between black and white, rich and poor. Jesus has come to make the path straight and to break down barriers. And we see Jesus in this story reveal his character as a breaker of barriers. And at the heart of all of this, of all of this story, at the heart of all of us, we find that in the human heart, there is a thirst for something that only Jesus can satisfy. Not only in this woman, but in all of our hearts as well. In following Jesus in a re-emerging world, we find that this question that the woman asks, many are asking the same question today. The question that the woman asks essentially is, where can I find God? Where can I find God? If the last year has taught us anything, it's that we cannot find, 
God in politics. We cannot find God in the justice system. We cannot find God anywhere but in the person of Jesus. And there's a thirst for something deep inside that only Jesus can supply, only Jesus can satisfy, only Jesus can provide. When all is lost, do you see how the stories now are matching up with where we're living our lives today in a re-emerging world? When all has been lost, the enormity of the loss in our society, I don't even think we've come to grips with the, the fact that f- over 560,000 folks have lost their lives in the past year. And as Americans, we want to go about our day and like we do often with death uh, of a loved one or death uh, in general, we, we want to sweep it under the rug and make it neat and tidy and And all the while, 560,000 people have lost their lives in the past year. And we're like, hey, when can we get back to normal and take off these masks? Do you see what I'm saying? The enormity of loss. Everything that's been lost in the past year. Jesus meets this woman at the well and she's asking the question, where can I find God? Who will satisfy this hole in my heart? As St. Augustine wisely said, there is a God-shaped hole in all of us which only the presence of God can fill. And we felt loss over the past year. We felt this vacuum inside. It's like it's been life with, it's been just existence. It's been life without the flavor. It's like a steak and no seasoning. Steak is pretty great, medium rare, but you just throw a little salt and pepper on that thing and you're, you're cooking. Life without the flavor. We felt that loss. We felt that hole inside. The loss of community, the loss of events, graduation ceremonies, birthday parties, the loss of a loved one, the loss of job. And Jesus is the only one who can satisfy. Jesus satisfied this woman's question, where can I find God? And he does this in a really interesting way and one that's uniquely Jesus too. A lot of times when people operate in the prophetic, it's sad a lot of times the way that people operate in the prophetic, um, unaware of the damage that they're getting ready to do by reading someone else's mail. And a lot of times um, we've, we've experienced this. We've been on the other side of it. You know, there is this um, office in the prophetic of like calling people to wake up and doing that in a way that shakes them to their core. Otherwise, we won't listen. I think you guys know your hearts as well as I do. That if we're not shaken to our core, we're just kind of like, eh, that's not important. But when Jesus looks us in the eye and you know, grabs us by our collar, we'll, we'll start listening, right? So Jesus does this in a way that's so gentle and so loving and has this woman's best interests, her soul's answer to the question of where can I find God that's so disarming bring your husband back you know he's he's like setting her up you know he knows everything he's setting her up I mean let's be honest he says bring back your husband and I'll explain to both of you 
And she says, I don't have one. He says, you're right, you have five. You know, and then the, the water vessels drop to the ground. And it's there that Jesus can break through and encourage on the other side and give solution to that question that's haunted her soul for her whole life and that's been around all of our brains and hearts for the past year. Where can I find God? And Jesus gives the answer to her in himself. That she didn't need to go to a special place or offer a sacrifice because he was there. He showed up. All of the old rivalries between Jew and Samaritan are dead. And what Jesus essentially communicates is that true worship finds God in every place. And that's the last piece to this puzzle is true worship. And to get at true worship, we need to understand what false worship is. What is Jesus really after when he says to this woman that the worshipers the Father seeks are worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth? Well, here's what false worship is. False false worship is selective at best. And where do we see this playing out in our lives? If Jesus is seeking worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth, where are we being selective with which truths that we receive and which we omit? There are some teachings of Jesus that are so difficult to hear, aren't they? Or that are very inconvenient to our worldview or the way that we think that the world ought to work or the way that we think that following Jesus should work. Sometimes Jesus opens his mouth in the Gospels and we're like, ouch, I can't do that. I can't follow you in that way. A lot of times we choose to only follow Jesus in worship with the truths that are convenient to us. And that is not true worship. You either take all of Jesus, as we said in at Easter a few weeks back, you either take all of Jesus or none of them. He's so disarming like that, that he calls us into a place of decision and repentance and following him that's like the edge of a knife. And he says, follow me, obey me, worship me, or flee from me. Because the last thing Jesus is saying, essentially the last thing that I want is for you to like me like he's a post on Facebook. Like, do anything but that, (laughs) please. Anything but like me. So false worship is selective, and we see that playing out in this re-emerging world that we're heading into. Um, There are some teachings of Jesus that were like, you know, I don't like that one, so I'm going to keep that one in the book and not follow you on that one. We cherry-pick the teachings of Jesus And we're all guilty of it. I'm not like, I realize that I've got, you know, three or four fingers pointing back at myself that I like to be selective. I'm like, man, that one really is convenient for me. This one's really difficult. I don't want to, I'm not too keen on teaching on that or following that. 
We all do it. And true worship is not selective. True worship is inclusive of everything Jesus is. But what we'll come to find, and hopefully throughout the course of this series, is that though some of those teachings and some of those ways may be difficult and hard, and our tendency is to like keep Jesus at arm's length in some of those places, that he's so worth it, you guys. He's so worth it. Jesus is so worth it to follow, to give our lives to, and to keep on laying down our lives and worshiping him in spirit and truth. He's worth it. He's worth it. And through any loss and any questioning that we might have, any mystery of the soul, dark night of the soul, that Jesus is worth it to worship him, to wake up this morning and draw breath in our lungs and sing, great is your faithfulness. Just as sure as the sun will rise tomorrow morning, God's goodness will rise on us. And he's worth it. To worship in spirit and truth, he's, worship, he's worth it. Jesus points this woman to the well, to true worship, that God is spirit, that he's not confined to places or things or walls, that you cannot contain the living God. And that as Jesus pours living water into us, it's an overflowing spring. God is seeking worshipers who will worship in spirit and truth. God is bigger than a building. He's bigger than any place. And Jesus shows us that he's so intimate that he knows us so well. He knows our pain. He knows our struggle in a way that no one else can know. And he's seeking us. That's the kicker. That's the most amazing thing is that he would seek people like us and call us worshipers. After he knows all of the stuff that we've been through, all of the heinous things that have been done to us that we've committed, that he still loves us and chooses to seek us out. God is spirit and he's looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit. And in truth, who will gush with living water, the deeply hopeful lessons and painful lessons that we choose to carry forward into this re-emerging world will bring life to the city in a way that the city has never seen before. But recognizes as uniquely Jesus. That's got to be him. That's got to be the Messiah. The woman at the well comes to this conclusion that you're it, Jesus. You're the answer. You're the solution that heaven has sent for this question of where is God? In all of this pain, where is God? Jesus says, I am he. Not some dream of some idealized version of truth, but he is the truth. He is the way and he is the life.
Ugh, just going to cry for the rest of the day or something. My goodness. We're going to head into a time of ministry, and Ben's going to lead us in worship. We're going to worship Jesus in spirit and truth. And my encouragement is to not let it end here. You know, worship is not just about music and singing. Worship is about the orientation of our lives, being centered around saying yes to Jesus and following him. So don't let it end here as you walk out the doors, as I walk out the doors. Let's carry forward into this re-emerging world, this message of hope that all is not lost and the, la- the, last, the last thing is not yet the best thing, that there still is hope to hold on to for our souls. We choose to worship Jesus. If you need prayer for anything, if you're in the room or you're online and you're tuning in through the stream, we have prayer cards for those who are in the room. The staff and I, we commit to praying for each and every card that is turned in, no matter how big or how small you think those requests are. God says, present your requests to him. He's faithful to hear. He hears our prayers. So fill out a prayer card if you have prayer needs for anything. We're going to worship together, and then we'll sign off online. So let's worship. Let's worship in spirit and truth.